hello. Glad that you made it. And then you can go ahead and take your seats and be seated on today or tonight. Amen. How many guys are blessed out there tonight? Amen. You are. Amen. Say <laughs> show enough. I love what that song was saying because it goes right in line with what we've been talking about, about the fact that uh, God is not letting go of us. Amen. Uh, how come? Because we are the righteous. Uh, we're not trying to be made right. We have been made right. That's what Jesus uh, did for us when he went on the cross. Amen. And he promised that he was going to do this. And as somebody just said, we have his peace. Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. Tonight we're going to uh, continue on uh, with part three of the message that we uh, began on Sunday, which is we are the righteous. Uh, say that with me. Say, I am, I am the, righteous. the righteous. Come on, one more time. I am, I am the, righteous. the righteous. I never forget Dr. Dollar preaching a message that we are the righteousness of God. Amen. Uh, and we're going to see a scripture here in a few moments in Romans chapter 5 uh, that says, you know, we're no longer sinners, but we are indeed now the righteous. Um, we were called sinners. That was the title that you and me had before we got saved and accepted Jesus. But now you're no longer a sinner. You are the righteous. Say that with me one more time. I am, I am the, righteous. the righteous. Amen. Uh, are you in John 14 yet? All right, let's look at verse uh, 27 at the King James, and then we'll look at it in a couple other places. It says, uh, this is Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you. Then he says, whose peace? My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. <clears throat> the Amplified says it this way. He said, peace I leave with you, my own peace. Now, I think that's very neat that... He said, I'm not just giving you any peace. He says, like, this is my own peace. This is my personal peace. This is, this is something that was mine, and now I'm going to share it with you. He says, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It says in the brackets, Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Now, when we, we've been talking about this uh, scripture a few times and just for the sake of um, being complete, uh, I want to do the same thing tonight that I did the other, uh, other night with this particular scripture because we talk about righteousness and we talk about being made right with God um, and often we leave this particular scripture out, and it's very much a part of the conversation. Um, John 14, 27 talks about us having the peace of Jesus. And how many of you guys have seen this scripture before and seen this thing about the peace of Jesus and sometimes wonder, what is that specifically talking about? Because I don't know about you, but peace has been taught to me. It's pretty much one type of thing. Peace, nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, um, completeness, uh, being one. And as I begin to study this more and more uh, a few months back, I begin to see that there's a bunch of different definitions of peace. Now, at the end of the day, they all kind of mean like, you know, harmony, oneness, unity, different things like that. But when you're reading the word of God, it's so important that you rightly divide the word. Amen. Yeah. 
Because if you're not careful, you will see a word like peace in an important scripture like this. And if you don't understand exactly what that word is talking about, you may miss all of what God is saying. Another way of saying that is you may end up with part of a revelation or no revelation at all. And I don't know about you, I want all of what the word is saying to me. Amen? So one way you can discover exactly what is the word of God saying is by using uh, the tools that have been put out before us, things like concordances, lexicons, Bible dictionaries. Now back in the day, when I first started ministering the word and I was a teenager, they had all these books that were thicker than this that you would have to open up. And if you were, I remember preparing a message as a 13 and 14 year old, and I would have a concordance and this, that, and the other, and, and it was just too much reading for me. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, as a teenager, I would try my best to try to make sure I was rightly dividing the word of truth. But nowadays, they, take, they took all those books and they put them in all these little apps. And there's this one particular app called the Blue Letter Bible app uh, that is indeed a Bible app. But when you click on that, you can then study deeper what the word of God says. So um, this is Bible study. So we're going to do that right now. Amen. So uh, when you go to that Blue Letter Bible app, as I'm going to do right now, and you pull up this particular scripture, John 14, 27, you can take a deeper and or more in-depth look at what does this word peace mean. Now, somebody may say, well, why do I even want to know that? Well, when I look at this, and this is Jesus talking, he's saying, I personally am going to leave something that's mine to you. How many of you guys know I want to know what that is? Because I want to make sure I accept what he's leaving me. Because this is Jesus. He's pretty important. Amen? He's pretty important to me. So it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. So when you go to John 14, 27, and you click on that scripture, uh, and then you specifically hit the concordance for that. It's called the interlinear concordance. Uh, it gives a scripture, and it also then gives every single word in that scripture. And then it gives the Greek or Hebrew or, Aram or Aramaic counterpart to that word. And how many of you guys know this is in English, but that's not the original language it was written in. And so sometimes words that they have, we don't even have words, or they may not even have words for words that we have, so they do the best they can. And oftentimes, like with this word peace, one word may have different ways that it's being used. So this word peace in particular is a word called Irene, and it's E-I-R-E-N-E. -E. So everybody say Irene. Yes. It looks like Irene, uh, but that's actually how it's said. Uh, and this particular word has actually six different definitions. So it's six ways it could be used. And if you don't rightly divide the word, you can find yourself reading this the wrong way. So here's the first definition, which is interesting. Now, just for time's sake, the correct definition for this one is definition number five. Okay, But the first definition is a state of national tranquility. That basically means um, there is no war physically taking place. So when you read this, if you read this incorrectly with that definition, Jesus is saying, you won't have war. That's going to be my gift to you. But is that what he's saying? No, not at all. Uh, the second definition is peace between two individuals. Harmony. You know, you're not into it with somebody else. Now, that could be what he was saying here, but that's not what he's saying. He's not saying you're going to be cool with each other. 
That's not the piece he's talking about. The third definition is one we're a little bit more familiar with, and it's security, safety, prosperity, felicity, or happiness, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. That's the piece we're a little bit more familiar with, right? But do you know that's not specifically what he was talking about here? Now, that's what I thought this meant when I read it, and when I've read it all, this, all these years. So he said, I'm going to leave you with happiness, I'm going to leave you with um, harmony, I'm going to leave you with safety and security and all of that. And I was like, sure, okay, yeah, that's what, it's, that's what he's talking about. But it's not talking about that. Now, the number fourth one, you couldn't have told me it didn't mean this one. The number four definition is of the Messiah's peace, the way that leads to peace or salvation. But that's not what it's talking about. It's actually talking about number five. It says, of Christianity... The tranquil state of a soul. Everybody say soul. soul. So these other definitions dealt with national tranquility. That's an external type of peace. Wars that you're not experiencing or seeing. Peace between individuals was the number two. That's another external peace. That's two people not getting into it. Safety, security, prosperity, felicity. You know, again, that's more experiential, external in that sense. Uh, of the Messiah's peace, a way that leads to that. But this one is talking about, this is a peace in your mind, your will, your emotions. And then it says, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. He said, I'm going to leave you with an assurance in your mind that you are saved because of me. That's totally different than all those other definitions. But then when you look at that, it makes sense. Because remember in context, he's talking to the disciples. He's getting ready to go and be crucified and all of that. And he's like, right before this, he's saying, I'm going to leave you the comforter. You're going to be good. You're not going to be alone. And I'm also going to leave you a gift. I'm going to give you my, because remember as I said in the Amplified, he said my own peace. I'm going to give you my own mental assurance. Like, I'm assured that I'm good to go. I'm assured that God loves me. I'm assured that I'm going to heaven. I'm assured that all is well. I'm assured that I'm right with him. I am 100% sure I have done nothing wrong as it relates to God. And he said, that peace that I have, that assurance, I'm going to give it to you. That's amazing because up to that point, you had Jews who were living by the law who definitely weren't assured of any type of salvation because they knew they were messing up left and right and as a result had to do sin sacrifices. So there was no assurance for Jews that we're good. They knew we mess up all the time and that's why we got to do sacrifices. There, were def there was definitely no assurance for Gentiles because they didn't even have a covenant with God. And here's Jesus saying for the Jew and the Gentile, uh, uh, for, for the, for the um, religious and the unreligious in that sense, he said for everybody, you're all gonna have my assurance. That's pretty cool. But then he goes on, and it, but then this definition goes on, and it breaks it down even more. And you got to make sure you have the B part of this definition to really get the full understanding. So the A part is this assurance in your mind that you're good with God. But then the second part says oh, that you're good with God because of Christ and what he's done. So the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. Everybody say, and so. The definition says, and so. So as a result of that assurance of your salvation because of what Christ has done, it says, and so fearing nothing from God. 
and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. And so fearing nothing from God, because of what Christ has done, I'm assured of my salvation, so I am not afraid of God. That's why it says after that, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus said, I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you a peace. I'm leaving you an assurance that you're going to be good with God, so don't be scared of him anymore. I'm not scared of him. Why? Because that's my dad, and I have nothing to be scared about. I'm right with him. And I'm going to give you my righteousness, so as a result, you're going to have this same peace where you don't have to be scared of him anymore. Because remember, they couldn't even walk into his presence without dying unless you were a priest who was literally, who had um, went through all the process to cleanse themselves of sin. So to walk in God's presence? Yeah. No, that's, you will die. And he's saying, you don't have to be afraid anymore of being right with him to be in his presence. It's no longer just for the priest. I am the high priest. I am also the sacrifice. My blood is all good to go. And when I go and give myself on the altar for him, it's going to take care of everything concerning you. And as a result, I'm going to give you this assurance and you're going to be good. So no longer will you have to be afraid of, from, of God. Why, why is that important? Well, understand, I'm leaving. You're now the ones who are going to have to be here to do the work on his behalf. And if you're scared to talk to the creator, yeah. if you're scared to talk to the master, if you're scared to talk to your father, you, you'll never have direction. Yeah. You'll never have understanding. You'll never have revelation. You'll never have the manifestation of grace because you'll always think you're never good enough and then you're literally cutting yourself off from God because you're afraid. So let not your heart be troubled. Lean and let it be afraid. Why? Because you're going to have my peace now. And the underlying message of that is, is you're going to be right with God through what I'm going to do. So he said, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now do you see why it's so important to make sure you get the right definition for a thing? Because this is talking about an assurance. Because when you see that you have this also through Christ, that speaks to something else. When it's through Christ and not through you, you take the pressure off of you to perform. Yeah. It's through me. You can't lose it because it's a gift I'm giving you. Uh, let's go look at this in the new, I think it was the New Living Translation. Are you getting this? Yes. Amen. The New Living Translation, I think it's there. Yeah, yeah, there it is. He said, I am leaving you with a what? Yeah. A gift. I'm leaving with a gift. And then he says it right here. Peace of mind. Not peace with friends. I mean, that's going to be a result. Not just safety. He said, this is peace of mind. About what? That you're good with God. So you don't have to be afraid. The world can't give this to you. Only I can give it to you. Your own works can't give this to you. He said, only I can give this to you. Say this with me. Say, I have, I have peace of mind, peace of mind that, I that I am the righteous. The righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> Let's look at this in John 16, 33. So no longer do you ever have to worry about are you right with God. 
if, if for you to be wrong with God as a Christian would mean Jesus lied about his peace. No longer you have to be afraid. Uh, John 16, 33. And we'll start in the King James. It says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have what? Peace. Now, it's important that when, you, when you're using that Blue Letter Bible app, uh, you'll see the same thing, that it will actually give you all the other scriptures that line up with that version of peace. Because if you're not careful, you'll just go look at another version. I mean, you'll just look at another scripture that has the word peace in it, and you'll be using the wrong, again, definition for a different version of that. Because there are other, let me give you another scripture that actually has the word peace in it, um, to, so you can see this. So, and we'll come back to John 16, 33. Uh, let's look at Acts 9, 31. X 9:31 in the King James, it says, Then had the churches rest, and that word rest is the same as peace, throughout all Judea and Galilee uh, and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they were multiplied. And that word rest right there is the same arene, but it's a different definition. It's that first definition that talks about being free of havoc of war. And what was happening was the church was being persecuted. And it's a promise right here saying the churches had rest, or it's a, it's a um, report that the churches had rest. They had peace. There was no war. People weren't out to get them. People weren't killing them in those particular places. That's not talking about peace of mind because of I'm the righteous. So if you're not careful, you'll just put up a scripture that says peace and say, oh, that means, that means nope, that's not what that means. So you, again, in your, in your Greek lexicons, it'll give you that definition and then all the scriptures that line up with it. So we're going to take a look at a few of those. And John 16, 33 is one of the first ones that's on there. So let's go back to John 16, 33. It says, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. This lines right up with 1427, doesn't it? I have peace in who? Christ Jesus. Not in myself, not in my pastor, not in my works. My peace is all because of what Jesus did. Did Jesus finish the job? Let me ask you that. Yes. Amen. So your peace is settled. Amen. Amen. He said, I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, <clears throat> but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is telling you right here. This doesn't mean that as you go out into the world, there won't be challenges. See, we misinterpret that sometimes. People, Christians, face challenges in life and then all of a sudden say, I must have did something wrong. Some of us were taught that way. Yes. Your car breaks down or something weird happens. It's because you ain't serving in the church. That's why. Amen. Money get a little funny. It's because you ain't giving enough. That's why. No, 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 no. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That No. You'll have tribulations. You'll have stuff that comes up. Stuff will happen. But be of good cheer. You still have my peace. What is that? Peace of mind that you're good with God so he's not punishing you. You don't have to be afraid of him. That person who told you that, they're off. That's a lie. You're good. You can boldly continue to come before the throne of grace and ask for help in this time of trouble. Again, it, it, trouble may come. The point is, is not to get stuck in the trouble because you don't know who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, let's keep going. Uh, let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse 4. So now do you understand what that peace is talking about? 
Okay, so you're right with God because of what Jesus did. Now rest in your mind concerning that. So now as you move forward and begin to read about who you are as the righteous, you never have to continue to go back saying, but I got to do this to keep being righteous or to maintain my righteousness. All of that is a trick of the enemy. Amen? Romans 10.4. It says, for who? For Christ is the end of the law for who? For you. For, 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 for righteousness. He's the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now that's, that's again, right in line with what we just read in our last two scriptures. I have peace with God. I'm right with God through Christ. And when Christ came on the scene and did what he did on the cross, that was the end of the law for you and me. That was the end of the law for you and me. Now, what is my responsibility to believe it? There is no more law living for the believer. Period. There, there's nothing else for me to earn. There's nothing else for me to do. There's nothing else for me to work out. Literally, Christ did it all. And for me to continue to try to refer to the law or lawful living or, or performance-based uh, living as a Christian would literally be for me to go beyond what Christ cut off. I need to be careful as a Christian that I don't try to continue a work that Christ has ended. That's a dead work. Amen? So Christ has accomplished and fulfilled the law. The destination of the law, believe it or not, was always Christ. Uh, let's look at this in the Amplified real quick. It says, for Christ is the end of the law, the limit at which it ceases to be. Do you see that? Y'all see that? Okay, amen. For the law leads up to who? Him. Did you know that Christ is indeed the destination of the law. The whole point of the law is to get you to see you need a savior. The end of the law is not you wearing a crown saying how great you were at accomplishing the law. But you know that's how some Christians live today? Yes. Is that, and, and, and understand, some of us literally try to live by the actual law and some of us have almost created a new law. It's this new thing where I know I don't have to live by the Ten Commandments because of what Christ has done, but I, because of Christ living on the inside of me, have to now live without ever making a mistake in life. And so we've created almost this new internal law that if I make a mistake, what Christ did is now not in effect in my life. And the only way to get this right is to go back and say some magic words. Because that's, that's what it is. For the people who try to operate like this. To say some magic words. Whatever those might be. Father in the name of Jesus. I am sorry for doing this that and the other. And then somehow. Magically. I am restored. Back into the right place with God. Now you might say, Archie, that's not magic. No, think about it. That's what we, we think we can go and say abracadabra. And then 
when I say the right words, it then releases righteousness. No, no, no. How does righteousness come? We just read it through Christ. It didn't say righteousness comes, and, I'm, and I know I'm trampling over some people's religion that may be watching this online or hear it on the CD. It did not say righteousness comes through your repentance. Show me where it says that. It didn't say you're right with God, <clears throat> excuse me, when you repent. You should have a repentant heart. You should want to turn away from sin, especially if the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. It ought to be impossible for you to just want to stay in sin. So I'm not preaching sin, but I am clarifying that your repentance doesn't make you more righteous. Your repentance doesn't restore your righteousness. That's not in the Bible. It says it was through Christ that you were made righteous, period. And for you to think that, mad, that special words or special actions restores your righteous is the gateway to self-effort. And you don't realize it, you have taken now two steps into falling from grace. Let me just go there real quick because that's a pretty bold statement uh, to make and just leave you hanging on that. Um, so what does, it, what does it mean to fall from grace? Go with me to Galatians 5.4. Let me show you. Mm -hmm. Galatians 5.4 and then we'll come back to that scripture Galatians 5.4 it says uh, let's leave reading the King James first and then we'll kind of go through some different versions it says Christ is become of no effect unto who you who is you wait a minute is this talking about me that's, that's a pretty bold statement to start off with Christ the guy who I got righteousness through if Christ is no, of no effect and that's how I get righteous, then all of a sudden what it's saying is, is if he's of no effect, then guess what else is of no effect? I am trying to make my righteousness of no effect without knowing it. Yeah. Now your righteousness is not going anywhere. It's there, but you're ignoring him, so you're ignoring how you get it. It's a deception. It's a game that the enemy is playing. So I would never want Christ to be of no effect, so I want to pay close attention to what else this is talking about. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Who? Whosoever of you are justified by the law. If you're saying you're right with God by the law, you're making Christ of no effect. Now, don't think about that in a deep way. Just think about that by what it says. I can either be justified by the law or I can be justified by Christ. You just read that we're justified by Christ, right? Why? Because Christ is the end of the law. He's the only way to now be justified. And so if you try to be justified by the law, you're trying to be justified by an old way that's obsolete, it's no more good, that's how you're making him of no effect. You're trying to believe in something that's old and dead and gone is in, an attempt, is, is in a way canceling out or trying to cancel out what he's done for you. If you're trying to be justified by the law, you are falling from grace. And here this whole time we've been taught you're falling from grace if you sin and keep on sinning. That ain't, that ain't what they say. Now some people are going to hear me say that and not believe me, so we're going to read in about three more different versions. <laughs> Amen? Let's go to the Amplified. Let's go to the long, long one real quick. Because you got to see this and you got to understand it and know it. Now we've, we've seen I, I'm justified, I'm righteous through Christ. And all I got to do is believe. 
But now we're looking at, but what happens if I happen to sin and I don't say the special words or do the special things immediately? Am I falling from grace? Well, so far the answer is no. Since if you seek to be justified and declare righteous and to be giving a right standing with God through the law, you are brought to nothing and so separated, severed from Christ. Makes total sense. It didn't say Christ was severed from me. It didn't say he walks away from me. It didn't say God turns his back on me. I'm turning my back on him and what he did. That's the deception of the enemy. He's trying to make you think that God's going to leave you. You have nothing to fear from God. But if you begin to think that the answer lies with you and your special words and your special actions and all that type of stuff, you're walking away from the actions that he did and the words that he said, which was, it is finished. His words are enough. His actions are enough. Never get to the point that you think your words will now fix what he already has fixed. Because to do that is to turn your back on him and to begin to walk away or fall away from him, from God's gracious favor and unmerited. Think about that word merit. When you get a merit badge in the Boy Scouts, that's something you earn because of your works. This is unmerited or unearned blessing empowerment to prosper there's nothing you can do for it and if you start trying to work for it you're on the process you are on the path of falling away from grace and when you think about those words it makes total sense it's falling away from his favor it's falling away from for by grace are you saved through faith it's a gift of god let's any mention boast you're falling away from that because you're believing in your self-effort now more than the finished works of jesus are you seeing that now show me in there where it's talking about your sin. You know why it's not talking about your sin? Because you don't have a sin problem anymore because Jesus already took care of that. It's not that Christians have a sin problem. We have a belief problem. And we spent so much time in the church preaching sin, 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 sin half the time because the preacher was in so much sin. But we, that's a whole other story. That excuse me, we, we should have been talking about belief. Yes. Do you believe God loves you? Number one. Do you believe he ain't mad at you? Do you believe and do you even understand what Jesus actually did on the cross and what it provided for you and what it made you? It made you righteous. Do you know I was almost 20 something before I even understood what righteous actually meant? And I had been in church at that point 17 years. But because nobody was really teaching on what it meant to be right with God, I spent all that time. And guys, I went to big church. I rarely went to children's church. Because I could, I, I, I could hear and understand. I could read when I was three. It was, it was no problem at all. But literally, I'm sitting there growing up as a young boy and a teenager and then going into college at Oral Roberts University and then graduating and getting married. And it wasn't until I heard Dr. Dollar's message. Um, I think we were, we were about, actually, we were like 22 or something like that. And I heard his message on kind of what we're preaching right now, the righteousness of God, and I got it. <clears throat> but the, all those years not understanding that. And so from the pulpit, 
we've been teaching this the wrong way and then our people think they got a sin problem and they got a belief problem. Because the only thing we've been running into over the last few weeks since we've been together uh, face to face is just believe, 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 believe. I did it, believe. I did it, believe. And do you realize that some people here still hear this and they still have a hard time believing? Because they're like, no, I got to do so. I, I'm still smoking this weed. I'm still sleeping around. I'm still doing this, that, and other. So there has to be a problem with me. And God's saying, there's no problem with you. I don't see this problem. Now, what we need to do, your spirit's good. But now when you believe in what I've done for you, you'll literally come to me, your savior, for help with those issues, and I'll renew your mind. Again, the, per, the, end, the, the end result of the law is who? Jesus. The whole point is to show us that we need a savior. Not to see that we need to fix ourselves. You, you already know you messed up. You just wanted some help, don't you? You just want to change, don't you? Well, the first step in change is not knowing that you have a problem. Not for the Christian. That's what we used to say in the world. The first step is admitting that you have a problem. You already know you got a problem. The first step in your change is admitting you have a savior. That's the first step in the believer's change. Is admitting I am saved. I am the righteousness of God. I am okay. All is well in my life. What is that? That's called faith. And once you decree that I got a savior and all is well and I'm the righteousness of God, now you've given him leeway to get involved in your situation. Now Romans 12, 2 can go into effect where he can now transform your thinking because you've turned your thinking over to him. If you understand that, say amen. So to fall from grace, uh, or let's, let's, uh, let's go back now to the New Living Translation. I don't ever want you not to know what it means to fall from grace again. It says, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Read it a million times, don't know why I didn't see it before, but praise God, I see it now. Uh, last version. Let's go to the Message Bible. It says, I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. All your religion, you say, don't make a difference. What it is is a relationship is what this is about. He literally said, he said your religious plans and projects cause you to be cut off from Christ if that's what you're trusting in to make you right with God. My goodness. Now, is this saying that living right before God is wrong? Is this saying to go to God when you have a sin and say, Savior, Jesus, I need you now to help me change the way I think in this area so I can change the way I live? Is that wrong? Mm -mm. This is just simply saying 
when those things become paramount and in your mind you believe you're wrong with God if you need that help or if situations are going wrong in your life, you then fall back into this thing of something must be wrong with me because God must be mad at me. And da -da. When you get there, that's wrong. You have to get, oh, just the best, Holy Spirit help me say you have to get your thinking elevated to a place of understanding that you are the righteous because of what Jesus did and never fall below that standard again. Does that make sense? You're good. Say that with me. I'm good. Even though there's maybe some tribulations, I'm good. Uh huh. Even though there may be some trials, I'm good. Even though I may make a mistake, I'm good. Let me just say that. Even though I may sin, I'm good. I am not a sinner. I am the righteous. I am in the process of renewal in Christ Jesus. God is transforming my thinking. All is well with me. I don't have a sin issue. Even though, Even though I might sin. I might sin. We got to start calling it what it is. Because that's still that little bit left over that we'll just say, we won't say sin. we say, I may have an issue. I may make a mistake. No, it's called sin. It's called sin. So the Bible says, if you know to, know to do good, don't do it, you sin. <laughs> you know. Some of us sin today. A couple of times. You didn't lose your righteousness because of that. You know you need a savior. You're spending time with him. You're maturing. You're growing. Amen. Amen. And I guarantee you, most likely, you won't do that same thing tomorrow. Yep. Most likely, you won't be habitually just doing that same thing. And like, well, whatever. I got a savior. I got a way out. The person who has that attitude is the person I question if you're really saved. For real. Some people don't like that. I'm not saying you are or are not. I said that's just my question. Because if you, <clears throat> if you can just have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you who produces love and continue to produce everything other than love, I, I don't know what's inside of you. Well, I do, I do know what's inside of you. What's inside of you is shown by the fruit that you produce. So I'm not going to be that pastor that plays that game with you. I'm going to say... You need a uh, production overhaul, also known as salvation. Maybe you wrote your name on a roll. Maybe you got baptized only uh, because of what denomination church you was at, and you never talked about believing on him. <clears throat> I don't know what happened, but it didn't happen. And, and the last thing I would ever want to see is somebody who thought they were saved but just continued to produce sin and they got part of the grace message and it, and it got inside of them and it all got twisted up and they thought, oh, I'm good, not realizing that they never made him Lord and Savior of their lives. And that's why they struggled for 40, 50, 60 years in actually renewing their mind on fornication. You shouldn't be dealing with fornication for 20, 30, 40 years necessarily. Amen? Amen. You shouldn't be dealing with homosexuality for your entire life necessarily. No, there's, there's, there's an expiration date to all of those struggles, to all of those trials. And Jesus 
is the one that gives you entrance into your freedom because he gives you entrance into your righteousness. And if you're just steadily struggling with something, then we got to back up and see what's really going on. Because according to the word, you're free already. So now we got to look at why aren't you seeing that manifest? Now, sometimes, can I just be real, real since we're on this path? Sometimes people just flat out choose the sin. Let me make something very clear on that. <clears throat> um, while your spirit is saved and sealed, there are natural repercussions to sin on earth. You go fornicating and sleeping around with folk who got diseases and this, that, and the other. You cannot declare and decree, declare and decree his righteousness as a supernatural shield or a supernatural condom around you to block all diseases from your life. Amen. It just don't work that way. Amen. I can't go and live a certain way contrary to the word of God and then try to use my righteousness as a, like I said like a, as a shield for habitual bad behavior behavior that I know is wrong and I'm just like I don't care I'm good with God there is his mercy don't get me wrong you may get away with it a couple of times but I'm just talking about what I've seen eventually Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, you're operating by luck. It's a chance system that you're operating by at that point. Luck, when you look at that word, uh, L-U-C, it comes from this word, lucre, uh, L-U-C-R-E. Um, and it's all based off of chance and just, it, it, you might get it this time, you might not get it that time. You're not operating by the kingdom of God system you're definitely not operating by grace in that sense uh there's a certain mercy that's there but but you gonna you gonna roll snake eyes in a minute and then we then we have the repercussions hit us and then we come to god and say now lord help me out of this heal me do this that and the other da, 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 da. not he's the healer not saying he won't that's what makes his love unconditional but the pain the suffering the issue that you got to go through throughout that process how many of you guys know it's not worth it so, so, so why have this roller coaster life as a Christian where I have the repercussions of sin hit me and then his mercy or his grace bails me out and then they hit me and they bail me out. And you know, that's how some people live. No, 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 no. We're not going to be that way. We're going to allow him to renew our minds. We're not going to beat ourselves up. We're going to declare that we're the righteousness of God. And then I don't, I don't care if you have a, have a list of stuff. Lord, please help me with this. All right, got that one. Okay, now this. And you're just, you should just be working your way through those things. And I don't mean working your way as far as works in yourself, but in relationship with him. Why? Because at the end of the day, your life is not yours. And excuse me for just speaking from my heart. We've, we've been talking about this in scripture. But at the end of the day, the end result of your life is this. You are now the Jesus on earth. That's why he left you his peace. That's why he left you his power in the Holy Ghost. And he also left you the Holy Ghost as a comforter who is constantly reminding you that you got the peace of Jesus. That you are the righteousness of God. That you're not getting punished. That all is well with you and sin is no longer an issue in your life. He's there for that because there's a job for us to do. Our job is not to fix ourselves. He did that. That's what most of the church is spending its time doing. 
trying to fix himself. So by the time we get to the person he wants us to minister to, we're too tired. When we actually get to the work we're supposed to do, go out on a Saturday and do what? Go on a Tuesday night and witness to who? No. But that's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to go out to, where you say? Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. We don't get to the uttermost parts of the end of the block. <laughs> because it's like, you don't understand, I already went to church on Sunday and Thursday. That's enough. And he's like, no, that's not. But Lord, I got to go to work. Okay, but what about what I called you to do? I want to see his power manifest in my life. Well, go where his power is needed. Because can I be honest? You already got all of them. You got every word you ever need. You got every bit of healing you ever, you ever need. You got every supernatural miracle or whatever like that. It's already on the inside of you. Lord, why ain't nobody coming up to me giving me a word? I gave you the word. It's on the inside of you. Go find somebody who don't have me and watch me come up out of the inside of you. Watch the Holy Spirit be up on you and miracles begin to take place. He's been telling me this, guys, over and over and over again because I've been like, Lord, what the heck is going on? He said, the entire church who has all of me is sitting there waiting on me to manifest myself to them and I have already done that. And so they're sitting there trying to give words to each other. He said, I'm tired of talking to myself. Some of y'all got that. Here, give me a word. That guy talking to God. God got talking to God. He said, I want to go talk to my lost. I want to go talk to the people that don't have me. I want to go show myself to the people who haven't seen me yet. He said, but... But, but my children have to believe that they're mine. We, we can't be like the children of Israel when they were exiting out of Egypt. And his whole goal, he said, I want Egypt to know me. So I'm going to have Pharaoh chase y'all. I'm going to swallow them up. And then the country of Egypt will know me. Interesting enough, he didn't say, I'm trying to get y'all to know me. Why? Because they were his kids. They were already supposed to know him. They were already supposed to believe him. He had just manifested and made them rich and freed them from several, I don't forgot how many years, years of slavery. Generations of slavery. If anybody should have known him, the, the children of Israel should have known him. But we read that scripture, if we say 400, 400 years, yeah. We read that scripture and that, and that story from their perspective as look at what God did to save them. They were already saved. But they struggled to believe who they were. And because of his grace, because of his mercy, he still worked with them. But his objective was Egypt. Read it. Go back and read it. It says at the beginning of the story and at the end, I need Egypt to know me. God is after something greater than you. And he wants to use you to attain it. And that's supposed to be what Christians now are supposed to be doing in this current dispensation of his power. 
oh, I can't wait till we get to talk about the dispensations and, and the different covenants because then you'll better understand what I mean when I say what's happening right now. There's different dispensations and at different times, God was operating in different ways. He's the same, but he was operating in different ways. And, and when Jesus was walking the earth, that was a specific time and dispensation. But then he left the physical earth and now he lives in you and I. God's love is still operating in the earth, but it's through his children who are right with him. But if his children only sit in buildings until they die, trying to get what he's already given them and then trying to obtain material wealth, then his will will still not fully be done in the earth. Guys, uh, can I just keep going where I'm going? What if Jesus lived like we're living? Who had an assignment. What if he just came to the earth, sat in the synagogue, learned, 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 kept his job as a carpenter, tried to build his business up and franchise it, ministered to a few people, got involved in a few departments in the synagogue, and died. We are him. We're joint heirs. Why are we just sitting, trying to materially just get more and more and more, and then trying to find the best place we can go to to learn the most so that we can do better ourselves? You have a commission you have a call. And it begins with starting to believe who you are. And then we have to go, y'all. <laughs> we got to go. And we can't be afraid anymore to go. We can't be afraid of our time. And, and, and what if they slam the door in my face? And do you believe there's a dying, hurting world or not? There, there is a dying, hurting world. And if you show up to where the Holy Spirit tells you to show up, they'll be waiting for you. Yes. It, but this, it starts with, do I believe in what Christ has done or am I still going to continue to fall from grace with my religious projects and my, my things that I'm trying to work out so I can obtain more? We have to be, uh, as that definition of peace said, content with our earthly lot, that was the end of that definition I gave y'all. The very end it says, and content with our earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Well, that's why he's saying that. Now your earthly lot may increase, it may grow, whatever like that, but whatever it is, I'm like Paul, whether I base or, whether I base or abound, I'm good, I'm content. Why? Because my focus is not my stuff. My focus is his stuff. And his stuff is his children. So this room should be full of his children, saved and unsaved. And we shouldn't be settled until we see that. That we have done what it was we were supposed to do. I'm not, I don't feel like the will of God is done when, when you got a Mercedes. When you got a six bedroom house. You know what I'm saying? 
But that's some people feel like that. Like you, you must be doing it something right because look at your bank account. You're prosperous. No, that's a byproduct. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's a byproduct of obeying his will for my life. Because I got all that money so I can go out and minister to more folks. I got all that money so I can sow it into my church who, and some people will hate that I said that, but whatever. So I can sow it into my church who is sowing it into people and into the community. They're helping people pay their bills when we ain't got the money. They're helping get diapers for little babies and this, that, and the other. So, yeah, yeah, I make a million dollars every year at least. So I sold $100,000 into this program in my church so that X, Y, and Z can happen. That's what it's for. But if I don't believe I'm the righteousness of God, if I don't believe that it was done through Christ, I will work, 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 work religiously to obtain what's already mine. Some people do not have the manifestation of his grace in their life because they have not taken this next step that I'm talking about. He will not provide for you. Well, let me say it this way. He has provided for you, but you will not see it until you go to where he's telling you to go. He's telling you to go this way. You're trying to work on your business or your other stuff or your life or whatever. You're trying to work on that. And he's like, you got to declare all that's all good. I have your money, your stuff, your ministry, your growth, your whatever. It's over here. But over here includes you going out and being the Jesus, if you will, that I've called you to be. But because you don't want to do that, you're over here. And you're, you're crying out to me for all these things that you need. You're crying out to me for your spouse, for your building, for your this, that, and the other, for your new job, for, um, for your health, he's even saying, uh, for your healing. You're crying out to me for all that stuff, but it's over here. And as soon as you obey me, you're going to bump into everything that you know you're currently lacking. That's what happens in the life of a believer, y'all, just real talk. You get to these certain points, and you hit a certain point in your life, and in your spirit, you know you're lacking something. You know something's missing that you're supposed to have. If that's the place you're at, you're not where he has you to be at. If you're just sitting at this place and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and you're like, something's missing. You're missing from the right place. That's what it is. So you have to humble yourself and go to him and say, where am I supposed to be at? What am I, meaning, what am I supposed to be doing? This is, this is how we live, guys. Because there should be no lack in the life of a believer. Either that's true or not. And whenever we get to experience in lack, I say we're in the wrong place. We, we need to figure something out. That don't mean we need to move or lead a church or whatever like that. It, 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 most of the time it ain't that deep. It's we're in the wrong place here. We haven't heard him. We haven't obeyed him in something. And so we're positioned wrong in life. And every time we deal with that, we'll hear an answer from him. He'll say, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what you were supposed to have sown. That's what you were supposed to have gone to. This is who you're supposed to be ministering to. Everything slides right back up. And then we, and then increase happens. None of it. Increase ends up happening. Promotion happens. Something happens. And, and it's like we're back on track and we're headed to a whole other place. And then people look and say, wow, how'd y'all do that? We didn't. We're just on this great adventure called being the righteous. And we're no better than anybody else. Dr. Dollar, Pastor Tavay, no better than anybody else. It's just, are you committed to doing what he said? 
and evangelism and outreach guys is the life and job of every believer. Not just the pastors. I know that's what we were taught before. You know, it was for the pastors and the ministers, for the people who were called to that. But then you sit and read the Bible, it says the Great Commission is for everybody. It is. It's for everybody. But no, we got to wait until they organize it for us. And when they organize it for us and pass out the flyers, then we'll show up. No, we ought to be catching up with y'all. We ought to be like, oh, y'all playing the whole outreach and y'all out there. Can we come and help? What y'all need from the church? Y'all need the church put some money on it? Y'all need us to do your flyers? What a concept. What would happen if that happened? Now, we waiting on somebody, some man or some woman to tell us when God Almighty has already told us. You already know what community your church is in. You ought to be in that community blowing it up. Pearland shouldn't be the same. Copperfield, South Fair area shouldn't be the same. This is what the manifestations of the Son of God, sons of God, is all about. This is what the world is waiting on. We're, we're moving into and shifting into, and even this message, at least the end of it especially, has been prophetic. We're moving into a different time. One of the advantages of me sitting in church for my entire life uh, is that I've seen different shifts in times. And all of you guys who have been in church for any period of time, you've seen the same thing. And we're in this heavy, uh, we've been in this heavy word phase. Uh, and, and, and that'll never stop to a certain extent. We'll always be getting the word, obviously, and growing. But we're about to shift into this going phase. And doing, yes. That's why we had to fix this works problem. Because many people are, are going to try to be deceived into thinking that this doing phase is all about their crowns and their jewels and this, that, and the other. So we had to get that right with, listen, if your works are, are, have nothing to do with your righteousness. But we're about to move into this phase where he's going to be actively manifesting himself uh, because that's one of the ways that people are going to experience his love. Just like how Jesus did, those folks weren't saved, but they were getting healed. And then they were saying, I need to follow this guy. I need to believe in what this guy is saying. And that's how things are going to be happening once again through us. Remember, Jesus is not coming back to this earth to save the earth. That's our job. He's coming back to collect us. See the difference? So if he's not coming back to save it, because he's already saved it, we're actually, thank you, Holy Spirit. He's already saved it. We're supposed to be the messengers of that salvation. And then he's coming back to collect us. So again, we, we've done ourselves a disservice by making church members beholden to a priest or a pastor waiting for instruction. And then we've turned that and done the same thing with Jesus. We're waiting for him to come back. And when he comes back, then we're going to get to work. No, guys, the work is supposed to be done by the time he comes back. Isn't it? Yes. So what are we going to do about it, world changers? Yeah. We got to go out. Can't be scared. Can't be afraid. And again, of you not having enough time, take an hour. What if you just did one hour a week and just went out and did what the Holy Spirit told you to do? Sometimes he might have you do some things by yourself. Sometimes it might be two or three of y'all. Sometimes he'll be telling five or six of y'all the same thing. And that's why the body has to be communicating one to another. 
And that's how events should be started. Not a pastor sitting in his office and saying, Holy Spirit, what does my church need to do for the kingdom? Ain't got time to do that all the time. I'm like, Holy Spirit, please talk to one of my members. So that as I'm doing my part, they can do their part. And then we can come together and put the resources of the ministry behind what you show them and it agree with our hearts as the leaders. And then we can empower them to go out and do what you're showing them to do. And we'll be right there with them. I know that's not traditionally how it's been done, but that's the only way it's going to get done. Why? Because God made it very clear to me. He said, uh, listen, I didn't call you to pastor for you to die as, uh, from the work of pastoring. I didn't call you to pastor for you to lose your wife and your kids from serving me. And so there's been a ton of stuff I've wanted to do. He said, no, I'm waiting on your people to do it. I said, Okay. So I'll announce it. People most of the time don't respond. This is, this is not condemnation, so follow me here, please. But then we just wait. And for years, I've just been kind of waiting and waiting. And then he told me when we start teaching uh, live, he said, now what I want you to do is teach them these things. And now they'll start rising up and doing it. Because you can't do what you're not taught. Amen. Now that you're hearing the truth, the question is, is what are you going to do about it? Gone is the day, guys, where your church will grow and flourish because of great personalities in the pulpit. That flash pan stuff, is, it, it, it didn't last, did it? Think about it. Think about a lot of the large churches over the last 15 years. Didn't last, did it? Can't build a church off of personalities. Can't build a church off of flashy production. A church is built off of whether it's 20 people or 20,000. What is the purpose? What is the vision God has called it to? And we're going to stay on purpose forever <laughs> as world changers. But I need you to know you're the righteousness. I need you to know that your works that you're going to do, they're going to be off the chain. Watch. I mean, sometimes you're going to have to fight not to get a little arrogant about it because the results are going to be amazing. But you're going to have to remind yourself this is God's doing. This is his results. I'm only even in this position because of what Christ has done for me. And we'll keep pointing people back to Jesus and then we'll watch people's lives change. And we will make a mark that cannot be erased in the lives of everybody that we come into contact with. So are you ready to be a world changer? Because you're the righteous. Now it's time to go and change the world. Amen? Amen. Hey, man, well, let's give God a hand clap of praise for all of that. So, Father God, we receive your call today. As you're righteous, we are ready to go out and trust you in all that you would have us to do. So I pray that you speak to us in our dreams and in our hearts, Lord that we begin to write those things down and make them plain so that we can run with every vision that you give us as World Changers Church Houston, both in the north and the south. We thank you that we take our city with the gospel of grace, with your love. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say this with me. Say, we will take our city, our city.
with the gospel of grace in Jesus' name. Somebody need to write that down. Glory to God. Amen. Well, were you blessed tonight? Yes. Amen. I feel it heavy. Amen. <laughs> so um, if you uh, want to sow in tonight, they're going to put uh, the uh, text to give up on the screen. So do what God tells you to do. Uh, be cheerful about it. Trust in God for this. Don't forget next week, uh, 4th of July, we won't be uh, in service uh, here in the Pearland location. We will have the July 3rd service at our north location. So we invite everybody on up to the north side <laughs> for our service. We'll have a good time. Uh, but then we'll be right back here that following week, which should be the, um, what is that, the 11th? Hmm? The church will, though. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll be right back here uh, for service uh, on the 11th, uh, right here, same time, same channel, uh, same anointing, and we're looking forward to seeing what God does uh, that week as well. Amen? Amen. Um, I trust that you've done all you need to do. Go ahead and take those uh, offerings. Father, we thank and praise you for every uh, offering that was given, and even for those who couldn't, Father, we just declare and decree your blessing over all of our lives. Uh, and we thank and praise you right now that this seed is going into good ground, and we declare and decree all as well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, if you're in the room and you need prayer for salvation uh, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to join in church, we don't want you to hesitate about it, uh, but I think everybody in here may be good. Is there anybody who would need prayer for anything? Everybody all is well? Well, 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 well. Okay, anybody need prayer for anything else? That we can pray for you for. Okay. Well, if you do, we'll be around for a few minutes afterwards as well. But let me go ahead and pray over you all as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we receive again your call on tonight, and we thank you for making us the righteous. Uh, we thank you, Father God, that we go out boldly all this week and even next week, Father, accomplishing and practicing uh, doing your will. Uh, now unto him who was able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the Almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed. <laughs>